We interrupt this broadcast with some important news. Let's rewind and check out the biggest news stories from this week. It's time, it's time for Taiwan This Week. Good evening and welcome to Taiwan This Week with me, your host, Gavin Phipps. I'm joined this evening by Klaus Badenhagen, who, of course, reports about Taiwan for German media. Hi, Gavin. First and, time no see. Yes. And Angelica <laughs> Ong of the Taipei Times. Hi, Gavin. Nice to be with you again, though not um, in person. No, of course, no. Distancing. We're distancing. And that's because on Monday of this week, the government extended the nationwide Level 3 coronavirus alert until June the 28th. With health officials citing the recent domestic outbreak continuing to show no signs of easing as the reason for the decision to extend the alert. The extension means that all schools island-wide will remain closed until the current semester ends in early July. People are still required to wear face masks at all times when they leave their homes and a banner indoor gatherings are more than four people and outdoor gatherings of more than nine people remain in effect. Government officials are also stepping up their urging of people not to leave their homes unless it's very necessary, with the Ministry of Economic Affairs is also tightening restrictions on stores and businesses. Convenience stores, supermarkets, hypermarkets and department stores now have to limit customer numbers to one person per ping to prevent overcrowding, and a one-person out, one-person in policy needs to be enforced when stores reach capacity. Businesses are also being required to limit their opening hours and restaurants are now also allowed to serve customers only through takeout or delivery services. Of course the level 3 alert is the second highest in Taiwan's four-tier coronavirus alert scale and was first issued in Taipei and New Taipei on May the 15th. It was then implemented nationwide on May the 19th and was originally scheduled to end on May the 28th before it was extended until June the 14th and now until June the 28th. So Klaus of course some people were hoping it would actually end end on June the 14th. Others are now hoping it will end on June the 28th. But Klaus, do you think these people are being possibly over-optimistic? Well, I think maybe we all were a little bit naive back in mid-May when the government for the first time announced the Level 3 measures because they were scheduled to end in two weeks. And back then, I think general perception was, yeah, in two weeks we are going to know if this either explodes or if we can get the virus under control and maybe go back to normal. And by now, it's pretty obvious that this is not the case, that this is not a matter of two weeks, not of four weeks. And probably the six weeks that have been announced now will also not be enough. This virus will hang around for a while longer in Taiwan. And, I mean, you're always smarter after the fact, but I think... I think one might see a pattern here that the authorities are adjusting their measures to the realities as they go along. But in hindsight, some of these decisions could have been taken um, right away. For example, not only the limiting the measures to two weeks, which obviously was not long enough, but also not introducing the level three measures in all of Taiwan right away, but after four days, then extending it from Taipei, new Taipei city. Or uh, first of all, not banning the indoor dining in restaurants, and then a few days later, banning the indoor dining restaurants. So some of this can seem a little bit um, indecisive, I think, and especially after Taiwan's reaction in 2020 was um, so marked by its decisiveness and by uh, the, the long-term planning and the proactiveness. Um, I'm not sure if this strategy cannot also be wearing people down in the long run. 
All I can say is it's as if uh, the CECC had not been watching the news from the rest of the world for all of 2020 because we are repeating so many of the world's mistakes from other places. First of all, I think uh, uh, many people thought the same, that as soon as the crisis broke out, we needed to go... In the word of uh, uh, Jacinda Ardern, uh, the Prime Minister of New Zealand, go hard, go early, and shut it down. That was our best chance of uh, cutting this off at the pass. It would have been economically painful, but it would have been a short, sharp shock that would have given us our only hope of returning to normality. And we did not do that. Instead, we had a very half-hearted control measures. Uh, Like Klaus said, he was very nice in saying how we adjusted um, our... uh, our uh, controls. I would say we slow rolled it, and also um, we've been moving the goalposts on when to go to level four. And uh, I think the political position, a political decision, has been taken never to go to true level four lockdown because um, we keep he- hearing changes about what it would take to go to level uh, four lockdown. And um, now it's obvious um, we. We're just not going to do it. We're just going to keep tightening those, uh, what I call, level 3.5 restrictions. Um, but uh, we're going to slow roll this until there's vaccines in uh, every Taiwanese arms, and uh, that could be a long time coming. So, Klaus, I mean, obviously, you you did go to Germany, of course, the end of last year, early this year, when there was a full lockdown there. Do you, so do you think the government should should do what they did in Germany? Well, the lockdown in Germany was also not as tough as some of these measures we have been seeing in other countries. I mean, people are always mentioning New Zealand, uh, Australia. I guess you will also have to look at China and how they have been locking off entire cities or neighborhoods. I mean, those are really those are really tough lockdowns. Um, what happened in Germany back in December when I was there was not that much different from the way it's going on here right now. I mean, the... Um, Stores, the retail businesses were closed in Germany. That's um, maybe the biggest difference. They are still open here in Taiwan. But um, Angelica, yeah, I I read your article in which you have been arguing really fiercely for a level four full lockdown. Uh, I must say I'm not entirely convinced yet. What, help me understand this, what would be the essential differences to the way that What's happening now? What would not be possible anymore that's still possible? I, I think what would be the biggest difference would be work. Uh, there's a big, big culture of having people show up at work um, physically, even if it's not entirely necessary. And uh, a, a level four lockdown where the government is mandating that people not go to work except for um, those key industries, the semiconductor chips that has to keep flowing from Taiwan. I agree, those must be somehow kept open. And they have been kept open in countries with strict lockdowns. If you look at Malaysia, special industries get special dispensations so that um, they're uh, very important 
work can continue. But I think a stage four lockdown will uh, give the Ministry of Economic Affairs the mandate it needs to make sure that people who are office workers are staying home. And um, I think it's absolutely ridiculous. We are, um, you know, telling people to be vigilant, telling people to be responsible, not to gather in groups of more than five. Meanwhile, office workers are uh, still being made to go into air-conditioned indoor chambers all day to do meetings, to talk, to work. And I think that is um, not helping us. Uh, to, 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 be, to be fair, to be sure, I think that the, the, the real time for uh, the sharp, sharpest, strictest lockdown has passed. That needed to come decisively as soon as the crisis broke. And we are not in a stage where we can reasonably get down to COVID zero anymore. I think we've that boat has sailed. Okay. Well, I, I absolutely agree that people um, should not be sent to offices anymore, that office workers should um, be allowed and it should be made possible for them to work from home. Also a problem in Germany back then, by the way, it was also not, um, it was also voluntary for companies if they want to offer this or not. But uh, Taiwan's economy is a little bit different than Australia's or Germany, Germany's, I mean, Manufacturing is still more important here. It's, it makes up almost half of the economy. And a lot of people need to go to, to factories, to manufacturing sites, to get stuff done. And, um, I mean, if you were to close that down, it would hit the economy and people's livelihoods really hard, especially since there are no measures in place to compensate workers that have been uh, laid off, that have been furloughed to make this easier for them. Um, first of all, I don't think that is exactly true. Uh, the Ministry of Economic Affairs have rolled out, um, and also uh, the Ministry of Labor. Anyhow, there's been different departments that's been rolling out different, uh, um, broadly called stimulus 4.0 measures uh, for workers, for um, people who are independents. And I think they should do more. I think the government should pay for people to stay at home because in the long run, if you look at things in the macro sense, um, if we can get people to stay at home, pay people to stay at home, the long run damage to the Taiwanese economy will be less. Uh, we're already at this position where we are um, doing uh, what I call the world's least fun seesaw. We're going to suppress, suppress, suppress. Uh, it looks, it's going to look like we're at a good level. Okay, let's open it up. We've taken the pain for long enough. But if the virus is still in the community, this has happened in so many places, we're going to see the spikes in numbers again. And then we'll have to lock it down again. Um, and this is this is predictable. We've seen this in other places. Let's try and avoid it here in Taiwan and uh, take smart measures. You mentioned a very good point, Klaus. Yes, Taiwan's manufacturing is um, something that you can't do from home. That's why we have to separate that uh very quickly into stuff that is absolutely essential, the semiconductor chips, 
cannot stop. The world needs them. Um, and uh, other countries like Malaysia have taken very stringent uh, uh, measures to make sure that their high-tech uh, manufacturers can keep going. And uh, Taiwan's own Honghai has recently started doing rapid testing of all its staff going on-site uh, every week. And that's all we have to do to uh, keep those things those companies going, but I'm sorry, lower level manufacturing, um, we can make them whole somehow, um, pay them, or find safer ways for them to operate, but uh, um, maybe they need to uh, sit this one out for a while uh, for the good of the whole country's economy. And then you have people in offices who absolutely should stay at home. The problem a lot of times are stubborn bosses just don't have the mindset that they can trust their employees to work from home. And it's absolutely pressure that needs to come from the top, come from the government. We can't make it voluntary. We have to say, okay, does your company have a job that can be done from home? If it can, then it absolutely must be done from home. And Klaus, I mean, do you think the government is scared for some reason of going to a full lockdown? Why gov I think governments all over the world have been scared to do the really drastic measures. But, um, yeah, we see how this plays out. I absolutely agree with Angelica that there needs to be more pressure on the companies, on the bosses to offer these uh, opportunities. But um, the, the minister now is always saying, yeah, we, we need to have people's reaction and take people's reaction into account. We need to take the economy into account they should give some clear indication what's the exit strategy here i mean are we just going to sit this out even if it takes two three four months until enough people are being vaccinated then they should just say that right now disappointment will not be so big afterwards yeah anyway i agree anyway we yeah. talked about manu manufacturing there earlier and the ministry of labor this week announced that it'll be offering subsidies to employers of migrant workers so they can reduce the number of people in worker dormitories the move came after 200 migrant workers at three high-tech companies in miaoli county tested positive for the coronavirus now also controversially this week the miaoli county government issued a stay-at-home order for migrant workers there now the taiwan association for human rights called the miaoli county government to revoke its stay-at-home order which was solely aimed at migrant workers, calling it discriminatory. And it also said that the order should not have come from the Miaoli County government, but any order calling for a basically stay-at-home system should have only come from the Central Epidemic Command Centre. Now, Miaoli County Magistrate Xu Yao Chung issued the stay-at-home order on Monday, and it basically, for the first few days, it banned all migrant workers in Miaoli from going outside except for working to and from working and commuting. Now, basically, this got poo-pooed by a lot of people, and the Maui County government has now partially relaxed the stay-at-home order and is now allowing migrant workers employed as caregivers and domestic helpers to leave their homes if it's necessary to do so. And the Maui County magistrate is continuing to defend the stay-at-home order, saying that it was issued to stop the spread of the coronavirus in migrant worker clusters and to prevent the transmission of the virus in communities. So, Angelica, a bit of a, a bit of controversy there over a stay-at-home order only aimed at one group of people? Well, it's complicated to disentangle, but I think it basically shows um, that Taiwan has a huge problem with not treating its migrant workers with care and respect. 
and the problem started a long time before the coronavirus. Uh, we know that these migrant workers are put into very cramped dormitory. There's no way for them to meaningfully socially distance. They are uh, maybe 15 to a room, living 15 to the room, uh, sharing one bathroom, uh, eating on the floor because there's nowhere else to go. The fact that they're in conditions like that at all was already unacceptable for a country with an image like Taiwan. Now you have the coronavirus situation. And I agree, it is um, absolutely not on to have um, a discrimination based on um, a group of people, your status, where you're from. Uh, but we also have to balance that with, even if you had a group of Taiwanese people under those dormitory conditions where uh, group cluster infections could be potentially explosive, um, from an epidemiological point of view, um, they are at a higher risk. Now, the uh, Miaoli uh, County government, in my view, um, should have done more to make sure that they were supported. Yes, uh, probably there should have been tighter measures on their going in and out because the risk of a cluster infection just blowing up in one of those dormitories is so high. But were there properly supported so that they could get food in and out, so that they can be comfortable, so that everything is done for them possible to make their terrible situation as tolerable as possible. No, I don't think that was done. Um, and uh, this throws a spotlight on a longer-term problem that Taiwan has to come to reckon with. I talked about this the last time I was on your show, Gavin. We cannot keep doing this thing where we let people come to our country and we don't treat them as human beings, we treat them as economic units. And uh, it's, it's a black eye on Taiwan's reputation as a free and fair democracy that is a beacon for this part of the world. I agree 100% with what Angelica just said, really. It's just shameful to see the way that many too many migrant workers are still being treated by too many people here in Taiwan especially when when problems come up they are just not being seen as fellow human beings by too many people and this dehumanization just seeing them as tools or economic units as you just said this this really needs to stop i mean if if only for the reason that people do not want to bring shame on Taiwan in the eyes of the outside world. So the AFP, the big international news agency, for example, just included the sentence, Taiwan markets itself as one of Asia's most progressive democracies, but it has long come, long come under criticism for how it treats its migrant workers. So if this becomes like one of the standard boilerplate descriptions of Taiwan, then this is something, something that nobody wants and all the more reason for everyone to stop this, even for those who don't just see it as a humanitarian issue. And, and, of, course, and of course, Klaus, the, the Manila Economic and Cultural Office this week called on the government to include Filipino migrant workers and caregivers here in Taiwan in its vaccination plan priority list as soon as possible. Because, of course, once again, you're going to the migrant workers. They live in con cramped conditions. The Basically, the de facto Philippine embassy here says they should be in, inoculated in one of the first groups. But, I mean, how do you see the local people seeing that? If they would I, start right now, 
giving vaccinations to migrant workers, that would um, cause maybe even more resentment with some people in the present situation where vaccines are really scarce. I think in the long run, of course, we need to make sure that migrant workers get a chance for vaccination just like everyone else in Taiwan. If they need to be put to the top of the priority list, that I'm not so sure because those pri priority groups have been um, designed w for some good reason. And I think at least until there's really a lot of doses uh, going around, it also makes sense to keep to this prioritization. I, I think uh, Klaus is right. The prioritization order is there for a reason and we need to balance that also though with the fact that um, as discussed before the migrant workers are taking a disproportionate brunt of um, pain when it comes to um, uh, the living conditions and the higher risk they are going and that should be weighted in their um, place in the line, meaning I don't think uh, they necessarily should go first, but uh, uh, the uh, the Manila, the Filipino government is absolutely right in lobbying for their people to get the care that they deserve, and that might mean moving them up on the schedule as more vaccines become av available. And we have to take a short break now, but we will return after these rather important commercials. Welcome back to Taiwan this week, and we were talking about the priority list for inoculations before we went to the break. Now, there was also calls for media employees to be put on a priority list this week after a photographer who worked at Next Media was found dead in his office. Uh, the company is obviously running tests on its employees, but it led to the union for the Next Television Workers calling on the National Communications Commission to issue disease prevention guidelines for journalists in broadcast media to ensure their employers adhere to guidelines. Now, the union slammed its own company's management for failing to properly handle the situation and also failing to thoroughly disinfect the work environment. Now, the death and allegations have led to calls for the Central Epidemic Command Center to place, as I said, journalists on the priority list for vaccinations. And National Communications Commission Chairman Wong Bo Tsong has proposed that people maintaining submarine cables, equipment and servers in telecommunications, satellite and terrestrial broadcasting services be vaccinated first, and that broadcast media workers who do not work on key infrastructure also be vaccinated first. Now, there was also calls for more people to be put on the priority list, that being teachers, because of course the schools are closed and the National Federation of Teachers Unions on Monday of this week said the government needs to make a decision on whether or not teachers should have priority access to coronavirus vaccines soon. The union argued that while video and online teaching has its place, it cannot replace person-to-person -person teaching. So Angelica, media workers also calls for them to be put on the priority list and also calls for teachers to be put on the what is a very busy priority list. I hope I don't sound biased, but I think yes for the media workers, no for the teachers. Uh, <laughs> let's be fair. Let, let's, be, let's be brutally honest here. The number of vaccines we have that we can put in arms right now is very, very small. 
media workers, there aren't that many of them, and they are doing a vital job in terms of keeping the news coming. Uh, we need to be appraised of the situation. They need to do their jobs. And um, it's just heartbreaking that um, uh, one of my colleagues, had, when, you know, I actually, uh, you know, I don't did not know this person, but uh, I used to work for Next. Um, it, it, it's just heartbreaking to have people basically going to battle with inadequate protection. Um, the work culture, I'm sure, doesn't help, uh, especially with uh, photo, um, photojournalism in Taiwan. The culture is you, you just go. You just go to the front line. You get the footage. It doesn't matter what the cost. And the, the cost, in this case, was obviously too high. Um, in terms of distance learning, yes, I understand. It's not ideal. It's not ideal to teach children from uh, afar. It, it doesn't work very well. But two things here, okay? You vaccinate the teachers, you can't vaccinate the kids. The kids are still going to spread it, okay? Um, kids, luckily, we're very, very lucky in that this virus does not target kids the way it targets the elderly in terms of uh, death and damage. But kids are vectors. So if you keep having in-person schools, it doesn't matter if the teachers are vaccinated. Those kids are going to bring the virus home to grandma, okay? So I think distance learning is absolutely a must. It's a no-brainer. We should do it right now. And um, uh, uh, the good thing is the vaccines are coming, okay? This is a silver lining. Yeah, it's, it, you know, it's going to be tough. We don't know. Level three, it's hard on everybody. We're going to stir crazy. But remember, this is what the rest of the world had to endure in 2020 for the whole year with no end in sight. At least we know, at least here in Taiwan, we know there are vaccines that work that are coming. And we hopefully have our domestic vaccines that hopefully will be efficacious. And um, so with the end in sight, we can be more disciplined than the rest of the world. We can play this smarter than the rest of the world, and we can emerge from this with less damage than the rest of the world in 2020. So, Klaus, media workers over teachers mm -hmm. there from Angelica. Well, I think everyone has the right to lobby on their own behalf, but um, in this case, no, I would, I would not put journalists that high up on the priority list. There's so many groups that are, for good reasoning, um, arguing... Uh, to, to, to be given priority. For example, um, food delivery drivers. I mean, they are just as essential to, to keep the system going and they are constantly um, meet, meeting other people, running into other people. As for teachers, I think this really has time until we know when um, learning from home can be lifted, when students can return to the classes, then we can talk about the teachers. But I just remember in Germany, like a few months ago, I think uh, the National Lawyer Association argued that lawyers are really important for the functioning of the judicial system and that they would need to be vaccinated. And um, well, that didn't, I, get, I a, that didn't get a good... Real quick. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, lawyers, I wanna... lawyers in Germany and journalists in Taiwan both don't I, I belong to the most really, well-respected groups, so... Um. <laughs> yeah, really, really, really quick, in that um, delivery drivers was not mentioned in Gavin's questions, and they should absolutely get priority over journalists. Yeah. It was about teachers versus journalists, and I think out of those two groups, journalists do get uh, priority for the ones that are running um, uh, 
I should uh, I should also add for the ones that are doing the coverage um, of the uh, coronavirus situation. For me, I'm a journalist. I'm staying at home. Don't give me a vaccine. Don't put it in my arm. Put it in the arm of somebody more deserving. I am running, um, doing economic uh, news, business news. I can uh, do calls of the Ministry of Economic Affairs have put their uh, press conferences online. I'm fine. But I'm talking about the people who are going out there doing the coronavirus coverage. They should be considered frontline workers, and they're doing an essential job of giving us the news of what's actually going on in this country. And talking about who should be getting the virus inoculation and who shouldn't, well, the Central Epidemic Command Centre on Wednesday of this week stressed that local governments must offer coronavirus vaccinations according to the government's priority list. And the Epidemic Command Centre said that local governments could face receiving reduced numbers of vaccines in future distributions if they fail to adhere to the policy. The statement comes after several city and county heads announced that they have their own ideas as to who should get vaccinated first. And it was reported that former Yunlin County Commissioner Zhang Rongwei, who was granted parole only last week, has been vaccinated. Needless to say, that led to some rather iry public feelings. But Taipei saw the main focus of iry public feelings regarding the failure to adhere to the coronavirus vaccination priority list as the head of the city's Department of Health offered to resign on Thursday amid controversy over the administering of coronavirus vaccine doses to ineligible individuals by a clinic. Now, Health Commissioner Huang said he offered his resignation to Mayor Kerwin for his oversight into the city's vaccination distribution. However, Huang is insisting that vaccine distribution was handled by his deputy. Huang's resignation follows confirmation of the unauthorised administration of more than 1,000 doses of vaccines by the Good Liver Clinic over the past few days. Now, a majority of the recipients were not among the government's prioritised groups. So, Klaus, there we've got a clinic, obviously cashing in, one could say, on the coronavirus vaccine well uh, first of all let's go back to the start of what you said i think the cecc walked back from that announcement that they might punish whole cities or counties and cut their um vaccination uh, the the quota of doses that they get i think they now agree that they need to punish the individual clinics or hospitals or whoever is is um not keeping to the regulations here yeah, as, as for that good liver clinic in Taipei, that's quite curious. I mean, they admit to giving a shot to more than 1,000 people who are not actually on the priority list. And then they say, yeah, there were a lot of volunteers and workers and security guards, electricians and plumbers and cleaners. But, uh, I mean, we're talking about more than 1,000 people. So, um, as I, from my understanding, Taiwanese media are looking really closely at this right now and trying to find out who exactly were these people and why did they end up in this position? Um, maybe, Angelica, you, you um, have been following that more closely. I mean, there was talk about even celebrities maybe being connected to this. And the fact that the, they were fined with the maximum amount of $2 million NT straight away, I think also shows that the, the CDC, the authorities, are, are really quite sure that something was not in order at all in this case. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, you can go down the rabbit hole on this case. I chose not to because the basics of it is clear as clear can be. People pulled strings to get vaccines into arms that um, should not have had those vaccines. And uh, punish swiftly, good. 
um, just surprised that it happened at all. There should really be, be discipline. There should really be some sense of uh, public ownership of this crisis. And uh, I have to say, um, Taipei City and New Taipei City, where um, uh, the crisis is the most important, um, I, I wish that we can see more discipline. I wish that we can see more unity. Um, I think we've seen um, better uh, regulation, better order, um, and uh, less politicization coming from the rest of Taiwan than from um, especially the Taipei mayor. And Angelica, I mean, do you think the people that were recipients of this inoculation that warranted the inoculation should be named and shamed? And named and shamed if they, if they can. Oh, okay, this is complicated. I, I, I think they should definitely be punished to the extent of the law. Naming and shaming is a difficult um, concept for me. I'm against that in principle. I think if anybody deserves it, it's them. But I am against going to that level in principle. I, I, I think that the, the, the system of the law should take care of it. Because in Taiwan, I think um, there's quite a volatile and uh, unhealthy uh, culture of uh, netizens naming and shaming people and it's something that we ought to discourage rather than encourage even in some cases it might seem like geez it's really deserved and klaus naming and shaming good thing bad thing mm, i don't think we need to add any more to this let's move on to the next and the next thing, of course, is the coronavirus vaccine from America, which, of course, made headlines at the beginning of this week on Sunday, where U.S. Senators Tammy Duckworth, Dan Sullivan and Christopher Coons landed at Taipei's Sungshan Airport in a U.S. Air Force C-17 Globemaster freighter. Now, the Ministry of Foreign Affairs said the U.S. is pledged to donate 750,000 coronavirus vaccines to Taiwan, sends a strong and clear message of Washington's support for the island. Now, the specific size of the pledge was confirmed during the brief three-hour visit to Taiwan by the Senators. And speaking briefly at Sungshan Airport, Duckworth said that it's critical to the United States that Taiwan be included in the first group to receive vaccines because Washington recognizes the island's urgent need and values its partnership. Now, the foreign ministry here made great play of Taiwan being the first country for which the U.S. has officially announced a specific number of vaccine doses to be donated. And reports are saying that Taipei and Washington are still discussing when the vaccines will be delivered to Taiwan. So Klaus, apparently 750,000 coronavirus vaccines show Washington's great support for Taiwan. Yeah, it, it is a lot. I mean, there was one journalist in the press conference that day who actually asked Chen Shijong why, why did they only donate 750,000? I mean, maybe he expected a million or a few million. <laughs> but um, yeah, since um, since vaccination started in March up until now, Taiwan has only given out about 750,000 vaccine doses. So that's the order of magnitude we are talking about here. Also, this was only part of the first batch of vaccines that the U.S. plans to donate. I mean, they have 18 million doses on storage that they don't really need. And up until now, they only decided about... Uh, 25 million of them, how they would be given out. So if I'm not totally mistaken here, there should be even more to come. I thought the whole thing was just masterful from a diplomatic point of view. Top-notch diplomatic work by our staff 
and uh, it's, it's a very, very typical Thai administration move um, because it was black ops until the last minute, and then boom. You have the awesome optics of three senators in Taiwan flying in on a badass mil- military jet carrying vaccines, and the signal is loud and clear. America is in our corner. And uh, for whether it's for fighting against COVID, whether it's for strengthening economic relationships, whether it's for strategic defense alliance, um, basically we have a rock-solid bond. And uh, that's a very good thing to see. And the number of vaccines is quite sizable. I agree that reporter has been very ungrateful in asking that question. And uh, I'm quite sure I agree with Klaus that there will be more to come. And before we go this week, authorities say while there's been a nearly 50% reduction in freeway traffic since the government initiated its Level 3 coronavirus alert, it appears that some people are now taking advantage of the space on the freeways to speed. Now, according to the Freeway Bureau, the number of incidents of speeding motorists in the second half of May rose by 24% from April. And if you're interested, the Bureau has now got a list of the top locations for coronavirus Level 3 alert speeding. And sections of freeway where motorists are opting to put the pedal to the metal are the Jong Lee and Yang Mei interchanges on freeway number one, sections of freeway number one near the Taoyuan International Airport between the San Sha and Inga interchanges also on freeway one and also in Taijong on freeway three near the Ufong interchange. Now according to the National Police Bureau, most of the errant motorists are speeding around underneath the yellow lights between the hours of 11pm and 6am. So Klaus, there we go. People are taking advantage of empty freeways to go very fast yeah um well i'm one of those guys who is for speed limits on german highways which would not make me so popular with uh, all (laughs) people in germany but um so in in taiwan of course um i think people not keeping to to traffic regulations and speeding and some of them taking their really really expensive sports cars out and um, zipping down the east coast back and forth in a really dangerous way that's a problem Uh, i think what you just described is not one of the most pressing problems taiwan is facing right now and we should not be devoting more manpower especially to this maybe put up some more automated speed cameras could be a new revenue stream maybe raise the fines but um yeah focus focus on the pandemic so, Angelica, you don't be t- you won't be taking your Porsche or Ferrari onto the freeway. <laughs> oh my goodness, Gavin! We have bigger fish to fry, like Klaus said, and uh, I'm glad they're doing this in the middle of the night, where hopefully all they're going to be doing is endangering their own lives. And if they do, I hope we expedite them for uh, nomination for the Darwin Awards. <laughs> and that's where we'll leave it here this week, here on Taiwan This Week, and I've been joined today by Klaus Badenhagen. Great to be here, thank you. And Angelica Ong. Always a pleasure. And thanks for tuning in to this week's edition of Taiwan This Week here on ICRT with me, Gavin Phipps. And don't forget to check out Taiwan This Week podcast on your favourite podcast app where you can get access to all our previous shows. Tune in again next Friday evening at 9 for another informative look at the top stories of the week with Taiwan This Week. And don't forget to also check out our podcast on our website, icrt.com.tw. Now keep it here for more music and news only on ICRT FM 100.